to pitch. Swing and a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, October 18th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partners, Jim, Chet, Chesco, and Chet, welcome back. You missed some great Philly sports action while you were away. Yeah, great time over in the U.K., but it killed me to miss those two straight Eagles games, you know, watching them live, although I somehow pulled off DVRing the Thursday night game and having no one spoiling it for me in terms of, uh, you know, the outcome until I got back Friday evening. Flyers looking great also, and now we get to talk Sixers. Yep, and we're certainly we're going to talk some more about that Chesco vacation abroad a, a bit later on in the show. But before we do, we've got a couple guests lined up tonight, and none better to start off the NBA season, as you said, than longtime Sixers reporter D. Lineham. Welcome back, D. How are you, Bill? How are you, Chet Chet? Welcome back to the States. <laughs> Thank you, D. D, we are thrilled to have you back on Philly Press Box Radio. This is your sixth visit with us over the last three and a half years. We do appreciate that. And, D, this is the season where the process could result in something truly positive. We're finally seeing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons play together in regular season games. There are other additions, new additions, like J.J. Redick, Markel Fultz, and Amir Johnson. So for someone like yourself who's been so close to this team in recent years, what is the excitement level here as the new season tips off? Oh, I would say it's about as high as I remember it being probably since the Iverson, since the 01 time. I mean, even in the era when you had like Andre Godala and those guys when they played the Celtics in the second round, I don't think the level of enthusiasm for the big picture was then what it is right now in terms of optimism. Yeah, and Dee, as everyone knows, the real key to a successful season is a healthy Joel Embiid. Do you think we'll ever see an Embiid with no minutes restrictions and no worries about nagging injuries? I think you will. Uh, I actually was there yesterday at their practice when he was not happy about talking about the minute restrictions. But to be honest with you, Chad, I think this minute restriction is more about his conditioning than it is about them worried about his old uh. injuries. And when I say that, because he hasn't played a lot of basketball, a lot of times what you see happen to guys is they do injure themselves, but it's because they are fatigued. And so the minute restriction, I believe, is coming out of him having not played a lot of basketball. He still needs to drop a few pounds. He would tell you the best way for him to do that would be to play five-on-five basketball until he is completely fatigued. But that doesn't, like I said, too many times, coaches have seen guys get hurt because they're just not in shape yet. Good point. Hey, D, I'm curious uh, of how you see the $23 million shooting guard, J.J. Reddick, fitting into this, this team. Is he, is he going to – are we expecting him to be more of a clubhouse leader or is he expected to be a, a point contributor? No, he's the real deal. Uh, and they need him. Uh, I think what you will find, Bill, is that he is actually 
better at when, when he attracts attention, he can put the ball on the floor and find a guy. And I think the combination of having him, a Covington, and a Bayless on the court together in terms of spacing and having real shooters that are threats, which we really haven't seen the last couple of years, I think you're going to like J.J. a whole lot. I don't know if you saw the – I saw the uh, stat today. He has 1,200-plus made three-pointers in his career, and the rest of the Sixers combined are 1,600. So I'm just telling you, they will find that guy behind the arc, and he will make three-point shots. All right. Mm. Well, D, you know, I really like Dario Saric. I think Robert Covington is underrated. Redick, who you just mentioned, is an impressive addition. Jared Bayless is healthy now. TJ and Nick are still around. This looks to be a real deep team, but how challenging is it for Brett Brown to divvy up the minutes and to figure out which combinations are most likely to work? Well, I think I said two of their best assets for this team. Number one for me is their depth, and I think you'll see that even tonight in Washington. Because I like Washington's starting five a whole lot. But after that, it's a you know, significant drop-off. And I think for Brett Brown, he has the luxury of having guys come into the game where they doesn't have a drop-off. And even if you went five for five, which he won't do, you, really, you have a nice set of five coming off that bench. And I, I think on a lot of nights, you may see him with a nine-man rotation. Because he has the guys, and it'll keep people fresh. Indeed, every time I, I look at the Sixers roster, it always takes me back for some reason when I see that Jaleel Okafor is still only 21 years old. And, I, I know. I, you know, we, we talk about him all the time. He's still the, the elephant in the room. He can score in this league. He's in a lot better shape this year. Where is he going to fit? Well, it's interesting. Obviously, right now he'll get minutes because Rashawn Holmes is down, um, and I think you'll need him. But I think it'll be a scenario of who is on the floor for the opposition. And for me, like I like when they went with Dario Saric as a small guy or a small lineup, playing him at some five, because I think he presents challenges, again, for the opponent. Uh I love Jaleel's offense, but, I mean, he is still a liability defensively. And I don't think this team can afford – I don't think they're going to be a team that's up big, big points. And so, therefore, you can't afford to try to outscore the the other guy when he's on the floor or rely on that. So, I think it'll be interesting. I think there'll be a lot of games that he sits. Well, also what's going to be interesting is uh, Ben Simmons. Now, from what you've seen of Ben D, will he be able to handle being a true point guard in this league? Well, I don't know if you watched uh, in the preseason. I want to say it was the second preseason game, Chet, that they used him more where they other guys had the ball in their hand. Bayless found him. T.J. McConnell yeah. was on the floor with him. He posted guys at the – you know, he had a smaller guy on him, or he even sealed people and they lobbed it into him. And I like that. I don't like the idea of him strictly being the point guard, especially when they are in a half-court set. I don't think that's utilizing all of his skills. So I think you'll see more of that, especially in the early going. Interesting. Well, A.D., let's talk about Markel Fultz, another youngster just 19 years old. Um 
he he's not happy that he's not going to be starting the season as a starter. It appears as well. But uh, how, how do you see them bringing him along? And uh, do you think he's going to be a big minutes guy? Well, first of all, he better get healthy. And it would yeah. concern me a little bit that he was, you know, he had health issues or injury issues last year in college. So I, if I were him, before I'd worry about am I in the starting lineup and how many minutes am I getting, I'd, you know, want to get my body right, you know, my foot or leg or whatever, and my shoulder, and then worry about what is the role. But get healthy is an absolute Well, speaking of health, D, uh, that gruesome injury to Gordon Hayward Tuesday night, what does that do to the Boston Celtics in terms of them claiming the top spot in the East? Well, that was ugly to watch, first of all. One of the yeah. worst I've ever seen. Um, I, I think I saw on Twitter, I apologize because I'm outside because I'm at the Sixers <laughs> watch party. Jeez, so that I hear you. They're not coming for you. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not Don't let them get you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Back to what was the question? I'm sorry, Chet. I got lost in the uh, the Celtics. Uh, the the injury to Hayward. Oh, yeah, what does that right. do for the Celtics? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's incredibly disappointing. I sure as heck I saw somebody say that he could possibly come back this year. I wouldn't even attempt to do that. That wow. guy needs to get healthy. And I think it is a decimating injury for them. Are they still talented? Absolutely. Do they have enough guys in the you know on their roster to still make noise in the East? Absolutely. But that's a big blow. That was a huge, you know, free agent signing for them. And to, for him to go down in that first game, I think what it does mentally to that team in the beginning is a big hit. But I think it also, they're going to play the whole year without him. So once they figure it out, it'll be like they didn't even have him, similar to what the Sixers had to do last year when they didn't have Simmons. Right. Hey, Dee, jumping back to the Sixers for just a second, I, I wanted to get your take you know, on on the Brett Brown situation. You know, Brett is – I wouldn't say he's gotten a pass necessarily, but uh, he's won 23% of his games as a Sixers coach for out of 328. Not, not very good. Uh, a couple of years ago, they were really bad. They seemed to be getting a little bit better. Certainly he's getting a better bunch of players. Uh, is this is this an important year in the turnaround for Brett Brown as well? Well, I would say this. First of all, I wouldn't say he got a pass because they, he was given no players to win with. I mean, that, that's just the truth of the matter. And that he could keep a locker room together, to me, said a whole lot about the guy. And I like already his demeanor has changed this year as the talent has increased. He has greater expectations, and he's not afraid to say that. And I think that's the sign of a real coach. You know, he's not trying to hide behind something. He even mentions playoffs. And I think these guys should be expected in the East to make the playoffs with healthy people. So um, I think you're going to find – I love their spacing. I know I've said that. Sometimes I think it's a little loose in terms of style of play, but I think that is by design. Now, whether that can stay that way – I don't know because I think when you play that loose and, I mean, just kind of free and play off each other, I think sometimes that hurts your defense because you have the same lack of discipline at that end of the floor. So we'll see. He might have to tighten things up a little bit. But, uh, you know, yeah, he's got to win with this group, absolutely. 
The one guy that I like, he's not a superstar, but the last two years I've really liked watching T.J. McConnell play. With all the new additions, is T.J. still going to have a decent role? I think so. He's your only true point guard, Seth. Uh, and yeah. I think when he comes into a game, first of all, he can shift the momentum with his energy. I mean, that's just truth of the matter. And his toughness. And he's a guy who finds people. I mean, he's gonna, it's, no matter he's on the floor, he's getting you five assists for sure. And I think he's gotten much, much better at taking care of the basketball because he knows my role on this team, find people, take care of the ball, bring energy. I think he's, I think he's for sure in that top eight. I think he plays every night for sure. Another guy I like, Robert Covington, who I think has you know, gotten better each year, good defender, uh, decent shooter. He needs to be a little more consistent maybe, but uh, is Covington still going to have more upside? I think so. I think the, the presence of a J.J. Redick and a Bayless with him on the floor uh, will help him because not everybody's running at him on the line to run him off the three-point line. You know, they've got to worry about those other guys. So I would be surprised if Robert doesn't have a higher three-point shooting percentage I hope he doesn't you know how he has always hit that lull where he goes through a stretch where he doesn't make threes and he shoots like 25 percent for a stretch of 10 games I hope he he does not have that happen this season and I hope just by having better players around him that that is able to happen for him hey D we talked uh, last time about how young this squad was and whether you could actually win in this league with such a young squad. Well, now they've added Reddick, and they've got Amir Johnson, as we talked about, and Gerald Bayless, all 29, 33-year-old 30, guys to blend in with all these youngsters. Uh, do they have enough experience now to, to compete and get to that playoff run? Well, you and I both know that the East is hardly uh, killing you with – you know, every night the talent that you will face. I mean, some of those teams are bad teams. And I think the team that goes in in the eighth spot in the East will be below 500. So, to me, that would say they should be in the run for that spot. That, that's just the truth of the matter. Uh, do they have enough? I think in the early going, their schedule is so tough and they play a lot of road games. I want to see, given the expectations that have changed and the pressure on this group, do they stay together if, in fact, the record doesn't say what it's supposed to say out of the gate, you know, for the first six weeks of the season? That'll be the telling part of that because they are young, and this is the first time they've been asked to produce, really. They've had, if you want to talk about a pass, this group's had the pass for the last four years. Mm-hmm. D, you let us right into uh, prediction time. We all guessed too low last season when the Sixers, even with no Ben Simmons and just 31 games from JoJo, managed to win 28 games. Now, the over-under this year had been 42.5, but I see that they just lowered it to 39. Maybe they heard that minutes restriction talk. Uh, Of course, none of us can predict how many games Embiid will play, but that being the case, what is your wins projection for the Sixers, D, and do they make the playoffs? I'm going to say 39. I'll take that number. And I say they do make the playoffs. Seventh seed? Eighth seed? Uh, I'm going to say eighth. I'm going to say eighth. And then it would be gravy if it is the seventh. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll go there. 
Bill and I are going to make our official predictions a little later, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go a little bit higher than you, but not much higher, but I do see them as a playoff team for sure. I'm, I'm curious, what did we all say last year? I'm going to say I said 25. Uh, I wrote down that you said 22 last year. I also said 22. Oh, wow. Bill said 20. Got you. All right, well, we so, were off by a hand. I hope we uh, <laughs> underestimate them this year, too. I hope they win, you know, 45 <laughs> or 50. Yeah, I, say, I think well, that's a big stretch. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, D, wanted to ask you before before we got through with you, what – since you're not actually with covering the Sixers this time around, what do you, what all do you have going on? I know you're still busy. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I'm glad you asked me that. Um, I went back. I'm getting my master's. I just finished wow. my first course for that. Yeah. Uh, and I got an wow. A. I'm actually going to pat myself on the back for that because it's been a long time since I've been a student. Uh, and where are you doing that, student, D? Where is that? Where are you going? It's an, it's an online program that's accredited through Concordia in Chicago. But honestly, Chet, nice. a, a gentleman that I know that works in the front office of the Knicks, that's a good friend of our family, he went through this program and recommended it to me. And so that's how I ended up in the program. Awesome. Oh. And you're still doing some broadcasting. Broadcasting too, right? I do. Uh, so I got the 87ers uh, – TV package, and I have the Princeton women's basketball, two radio shows that I'm doing uh, that are not sports. They're on WWDB, their interview format, uh, and I'm going to teach a class starting in January at Chestnut Hill College. Awesome. And wow, by the way, I listened to... now than you did before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a calendar more than I used to. I used to know just show up at the uh, arena. And now I have to actually schedule things in my phone. Yes. Dee, I actually listened I, to your Lifestyles I listened to your Lifestyles podcast interview with Greg Mariello, the man of many voices, and it was quite entertaining. Oh yeah, thank you. No, I, I, I have <laughs> to tell you, I love I love doing that because I meet so many interesting people that are outside of my industry that I've known for the past twenty years. So it's been a real uh it's been a real fun project for me. All right. Thanks, Steve. Great to talk to you again. You as well. Uh, Call me anytime. All right, Dean. Thanks. Good luck. Enjoy the season. You You bet. bet. Always great talking hoops with D. Lynham, and we also love to let you know what's going on at one of my favorite places for food and drink, the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. Chris Gaskill, how goes it? Great. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Chris, great seeing you at Oktoberfest a couple of weeks ago. Now, what's coming up the next few weeks at the Irish Rover? Uh, Our next big thing is going to be on Saturday the 28th. We do uh, Halloween all day. We have a party for the little ones from 1 to 3 o'clock. It's a free buffet. They make a craft. They get some candy. And then tuck your kids in the bed and come back for 9.30 for our adult party. Prizes for best costume and karma train will be here. And this Monday night, Eagles Redskins on your TVs, right? Always, absolutely. I knew it. Thanks, Chris. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And now some appropriate music for our next guest here on the show. All we need is Kevin. <laughs> Oh, a little boss time going on. Well, hey, our next guest is going to be Kevin Riley, former Eagles linebacker and uh, 
new author. As soon as Kevin gets with us, he'll be here in just a second, I'm sure. But, uh, Chet, as you know, um, Kevin wrote this book, and it's uh, titled Tackling Life, How Faith, Family, and Fortitude Kept an NFL Linebacker in the Game. And uh, we're going to ask Kevin to walk us through this, and uh, it has just hit Amazon here in the last day or so that you could buy it. So we're going to get some information from him on that. Yeah, well, you text Kevin, make sure he uh, gets with us here. And uh, I will tell you, I read a bunch of the book because he gave us an advanced copy a while back. And uh, it it is some great stuff. We knew a lot of his story previously, but getting a chance to read it, uh, it's just fascinating. And I can't wait to get the the physical book in my hands and, uh, you know, read the whole thing and hopefully talk to Kevin about it real soon. Uh, Again, it's called Tackling Life, How Faith, Family, and Fortitude Kept an NFL Linebacker in the Game. A great title, by the way. Um, So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, the the Eagles, of course, and about everything that Kevin covers in the book as soon as he calls in. In the meantime, uh, you and I can talk a little Eagles football, Bill. Um, Five and one, they are the best team in the NFC right now. They actually are one of the favorites now to go to the Super Bowl from the National Football Conference. Who would have believed that just, you know, a month and a half ago, huh? Well, that's for sure, and you, you know, uh, and Carl and I were actually talking about this last week, Chet, and uh, you know, I've always tried to look at it as don't get too far ahead of yourself, you know, don't be too high, don't be too low. Um, so that, I'm trying to keep an even keel as far as the birds. Yep. Well, we got Kevin on the line now, so uh, introduce him and let's take the, take it away, Bill. All right. Hey, we've got former Eagles linebacker and now new author Kevin Riley. Kevin, welcome. Hey guys, how are you? Hey Kevin, fantastic. Hey, hey Kevin, your new book. Can you can you excuse me for one minute and hold on a second? Yeah, yeah. Got to clear the kids. (laughs) (laughs) Take care of some business. All right, all right. Now I can talk without interruption. All right, fantastic. How are how are you guys? Excellent, fantastic. Hey Kevin, before we get talking about the book, let's talk about a little bit of Eagles and. we know you were high on the, the Doug Peterson train, as am I, and, or have been all along. Uh, what do you think of the 5-1 and one start, and what did you think of that game on Thursday night? You know, those are the games they lost last year. And um, I can't say enough about Carson Wentz from a couple of perspectives. First of all, his athletic ability and his passion is obvious to everybody. But, you know, from being inside a locker room and, over the years and, you know, being with the world champion Miami Dolphins, you know, for training camp, then with the Eagles, then with New England, you know, you have people that are certain leaders that bring up the rest of the team. And I will tell you that this guy in his second year is a spectacular leader. He's got that whole team leading him. You know, it it appeared to me that I knew he was a good leader when you can talk seven wide receivers in the middle of their summer to go to North Dakota for two weeks so you can throw the ball to them. <laughs> right. That's a leader. And this guy's very, very smart. You know that he, he, he scored very high on the wonder lick. Another thing that people don't talk about that, that Doug mentioned to me at either meal bank or a golf tournament where you guys came, I, I met Doug at the car and I kind of walked him in the back door so he didn't get, you know, a mob. And we got to talk for a few minutes, and one of the things he said to me was, I said, hey, what's your biggest, you know, surprise of the OTAs? 
And I thought he was going to tell me, you know, about one of the rookies, Barnett, you know, or, or Aguilar's really come along. He said, my two quarterbacks. He said, Kevin, I sit in these meetings with these two guys. They are, the, they are like a brain trust. The two of them are so smart. They get along with each other. I feel like I'm in with two coaches. And he said, I will tell you right now, if something does happen to Carson, I have the utmost ability that uh, Foles can go in there and, you know, keep us on track and win ball games. And he said, I would think that I have one of the best second-string quarterbacks in the whole league from a standpoint of he's always prepared hmm. and he's got the ability. And we have him in the right system now. He said they didn't have him in the right system where he was before. Now, here's a guy that you know, what, he throws six touchdowns or seven touchdown passes in one game. He yes, has to have some skill. So, you know, um, I just think Carson has, has made everybody's boat ride from a standpoint of passion and, you know, intensity. You see it defensively. You see it offensively. And uh, they are something right now. It's hard to stay up, guys, for, you know, a 16-game season and that begins with four preseason games. That's 20 games. Guys coming out of college, that's almost two seasons for them. But this kid is really doing the job, and I think that he really likes football. I really think he does. Mm-hmm. And I just hope he can stay healthy. But I'm, uh, so, Kevin, I'm, they're, a little surprised. They're... I'm a little surprised they're 5-1, and one, but they're getting better every game. <laughs> yeah, right. they are. And they really have a good shot now in the NFC because, as you know, Aaron Rodgers is hurt and done for the year. The Cowboys have a little disarray with the whole Ezekiel Elliott situation. The Giants aren't what, aren't what they were. Seattle is still good, but not the Seattle that you know we knew from a couple of years ago. They're still going to be tough out there, of course, when the Eagles go west. Um, the Eagles do have a shot, I think, to make a nice playoff run. Do you agree? Oh, I, not only that, when, you know, but I'm, I don't put the, the cart before the horse here, uh, or the horse before the cart, whatever the saying is. But um, <laughs> I, you know, if you if you wonder about them just winning the NFC East, getting out to a five and one start says the next ten games which I think they have six at home. Uh, if you go five yeah. and five, you're in the playoffs. And, and, then, and then we'll deal with that when we get there, because then it all matters on who's healthy. I mean, you just saw what happened to Green Bay. I mean, they're, in, my, in my humble opinion, Hundley's not a bad quarterback, but they're out of it without, you know, Rodgers there. I don't, just don't yep. see him making it. So I just think five and one. And you look at the schedule and you go, gosh, we could go five and five with Foles at quarterback here. I, I think that we win the NFC, and if we can just stay healthy, I think we got a, a really good shot. I mean, you know they're all talking down here in Philly about Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Well, let's calm down a little bit because <laughs> yeah, right. the injury situation could knock out two quarterbacks, and then you're really hurt because if you can't move the ball offensively, that great defense they've got. That's nowhere to go. Now, talking about that, they're going to get Darby back soon. Uh, they're going to get Smallwood back this week. So, or, you know, for Monday Lane night, Johnson so, also. Uh, well, yeah, Lane Johnson. So, this is the kind of things that can only help you. Uh, but they just look like they have swagger now. And I haven't seen it in years, guys. It's great. Well, hey, Kevin, we could talk Eagles all day long. But let's talk about this new book you've got, Tackling Life, How Faith, Family, Fortitude, kept an NFL linebacker in the game. It's an excellent title, and let's start there. How did the title come about? Well, I, I actually – well, before I start, guys, you know, now that I'm an author, I am going <laughs> back to Father Hopkins at Villanova, and I want my English grade changed from a C-plus to an A. 
I'll bet there's a lot you. of guys that went on. I bet there's a lot of guys went on to law school and everything else, and Scott Brokers, and they didn't write a book. But no, yeah. just kidding. Uh, uh, it you know the, how we got the title was I have uh, pretty close to five thousand Facebook friends. A lot of them Eagle fans. A lot of them know who I am, you know, and my story, and a lot of them don't. So I put it out there one day for. You know, I'll get two tickets to an Eagles game. Anybody picks the right one. And, man, oh, man, I can't believe how many people responded. And we, we narrowed it down to ten, then we pared it down to five, then we pared it down to three. And um, tackling life um, wasn't really the first choice. We thought that we would go with uh, just one. One word seemed to work a lot. And we had some great mentors when I was writing this book. And we were going to go with unarmed. And, you know, because it's catchy and it's kind of a little bit uh, ironic, you know. But when you think about all the um, uh, gun problems that we have in this country right now, people getting shot, it also could have a negative connotation. Right. So the more we thought about it and the more we we started to like tackling life, uh, nobody's had it as a book uh, that we could see. Uh, When you go online, we were able to get the title. And then it fit really good with the subtitle, which is Faith, Family, Friends, and Fortitude. And those are my four, you know, guides guides in life. If you've got those four things, there isn't much life can throw at you that you can't get by. So that's why we decided to go with it. And so far, people seem to really like it. It's also easy to remember. All right, Kevin, I did read a big uh, chunk of it. You gave us an advanced copy. Very nice of you. And I know you detailed it in the book, but I can't imagine what you were feeling 39 years ago when Dr. Markov, with that Sergeant Friday-type demeanor, as you described it, told you the bump on your shoulder was far more serious than you could have imagined. Take us back to that uh, you know, tough time in your life. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the, this is the late 70s, and, uh, you know, metal te- medic- medical technology is not where it is today by far. And I can even tell you that in 1979, my operation took about 11 and a half hours, and they did it with scalpels and and things like that because they didn't have laser technology. Dave Dravecki, the former San Francisco giant pitcher who broke his arm on the mound with a desmoid tumor, was in the same situation I was, had the same op- operation. And his operation was two and a half hours, just to give you an idea. So going back to, <clears throat> to the uh, 1977 when I first discovered it, um, I had seen nine doctors. Nobody knew what it was. Uh, I went to Temple. They made two, um, two attempts to get it out, and it didn't show up as metastasizing cancer. So everybody relaxed. You got a, you know, a soft, um, a soft tissue tumor. They they diagnosed it as nodular fasciitis, and if we get most of it, the rest will go away. So they went in. It was probably about the size of a golf ball or larger. They took it out, and within weeks, it came back, and it was the size of a tennis ball. They went back in to get it, and within weeks, it was back the size of a tennis ball. And that's when Joe Torg from Temple, who I think was the first official sports orthopedic surgeon in the country made a phone call to Sloan Kettering because he knew it was out of his league and got me a, uh, an appointment with Dr. Markov, Dr. Ralph Markov. And then between that was, uh, 
Torg was the third doctor I saw. I happened to see six more doctors. I went to AI DuPont Hospital where a team of doctors saw me. I went to a pediatrician who thought he might be able to help me. Nobody could figure it out. So, you know, I'm just standing in that long uh, waiting, uh, waiting room there, two hours to see this guy. And all I wanted to do was to get this thing out of my shoulder so I can go back to lifting weights and hopefully get one or two more years in the NFL. And I was hoping that, you know, somebody would pick me up in September or October when a linebacker went down because I had some credentials. That was my mindset. In two hours, I left there knowing that I was never going to play football again and I would be lucky if he could save my arm. That was quite a shock. I really wasn't prepared mentally for that. But that was the deal. Well, hey, hey, Kevin. As as I read that book, and I know when you were when you were on with us, and you told us you were writing the book, it, it has moved along very quickly. Maybe not to you, but because uh, you were doing it, but it, it moved very quickly. And there's so many chapters in that book. that are very, very emotional chapters. Uh, how was it to be able to sit down and write that, and and so many emotional highs and lows that you've uh, documented throughout your personal life. How, how were you able to do that? Well, that's a great and interesting question because one of the reasons I didn't get this book off the ground for a couple of years, I would start and stop it. I couldn't figure out a way to write it. I, I've got, I know I got ADH. I'm not real good at sitting down and doing <laughs> stuff. And so I would write some and then I wouldn't get to the next chapter. And then two weeks would go by and and then by the time I'd get to the next chapter, I forgot what I wrote for the one before. And, and then I tried doing it on a tape recorder, but um, it, it didn't seem right. And um, and when I would write the, the chapters out, I was concerned about grammar and punctuation and sentence structure. And that takes you away from, you know, um, the thought process. So enter a guy named John Riley, who's one of my best friends, and he says, I want to get involved in your book and get this thing out, but I'm going to ride you. And he's somewhat of a writer. Um, We work together at Xerox, and he's a very good writer. He does some things for some local publications. And we decided, he said, look, you're a good storyteller. That's what you're good at. Tell the story. Just write it out. I'll do the punctuation. I'll do the structure. I'll condense it. I'll throw out what's not needed. Just let your mind go. And to answer your question, once I was able to do that, you know, one memory would click to another one. And these were buried, guys. They were buried, a lot of them. And I'd say, oh, now I remember that because this would lead to that and that would lead to this. And I, got, I would be less than honest if I got you up, if I didn't tell you I got up once or twice because a couple of those, um, couple of those chapters were emotional that, you know, I felt like I don't drink anymore, but I felt I could have used, you know, a stiff drink because it brought them back. But it soon, soon dissipated. And, you know, I look at the whole project and I say, I laid myself out there pretty good. And I think you know that, yet. You read it. I laid myself yep. out there, all the warts and everything. And, and if, the whole thing is, if I can help other people know that, you know, these things are all, all, all these challenges you have in life, you can overcome them all if you just really believe, uh, you know, in, in your God and your friends and the family and the people that count on you, and you know that you're loved in this world. 
And I think that's a big message to get across to people because when people have problems, they isolate themselves and they think they're the only ones with it. And we all know that's not true. Well, and, and you know, you hit exactly what I wanted to follow up on, Kevin, because you you actually, as you say, you put all the warts out there, you laid out there and and about all the pain you were going through and, you know, the bottle of wine and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, there were some other personal things. This book isn't just about your battle with your arm. It's about your being a kid and being an Eagles fan, being a, a human being, as well as a football player, and then what you've accomplished afterwards. I mean, it's the whole story, and the things you have done after this are probably more amazing than the rest of it. Well, that's, you know, when I counsel, and I, I had to counsel a person today that had my very same operation, a young girl who's a Texas A&M student, and she's a year past the surgery, and you get to some point where it finally hits you. And when it hits you, it's like a ton of bricks. It's depression, and it looks like the future's bleak. And we all have a tendency as human beings to project, and we start to project the worst, unfortunately. And, you know, the thing that you got to remember in all of this is that none of this lasts forever. This too shall pass. We all have ups and downs in life, and you got to just, when you get through these challenges, when you get these challenges, and I didn't learn this until, you know, these things hit me, the best thing you can do is put your head down and power through them, knowing knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel and things are going to get better and they're going to have people help you. And, you know, uh, one of those emotional um, topics and chapters I did that, you know, really made me uh, kind of like not want to write the rest of it was my divorce chapter. It really, really mentally threw me for a loop more so than losing my arm. And, you know, when I do my talks, there's a whole lot of people out there, that have more problems with their marriages and relationships than are losing limbs. So I, I would have been crazy not to put that in there. And I debated whether I should. And then also I debated whether to put in there, you know, my, my new life in sobriety. You know, I have to admit that that was a work for a while. And now, you know, I'm a, I'm a re- reformed alcoholic and I'm working on it every day. And this is the other things that happen. And I just want to tell people, you can come out of it if you get the right attitude and the right people behind you and you make up your mind. And the one saying I have, you know, the human spirit is stronger than anything that can happen to it. And as soon as you take that, that attitude and you believe in that, things will start to turn around. Whether it's positive thinking or whatever, I really believe that. I really believe that we are all blessed with the ability to come back from almost anything but it's these challenges in life that drag us down. And sometimes the very people we love and we're friends with who have such compassion and empathy for us, they set our bar low going forward. And I can tell you that happened to me. And if it wasn't for Rocky Blyer kicking me in the ass that day, I don't know where I'd be. Kevin, we are just about out of time, unfortunately. So speaking of coming back, you've got to come back in a month or two, and we can talk more about this. But I just wanted to sum a couple of things up. I know the book kind of tells how the trauma you went through in the late 70s made you the man you are today. Um, you tell some great stories. I love the way you structured the book, too, jumping around from, you know, your playing career to uh, before that to the whole surgery and uh, to today, the man you are. So I just love the way 
you did that. It wasn't a chronological linear thing. I think that really worked for you. You also had a lot of humorous moments, or yeah, at least some of them. You mentioned in the book that your grandfather had some memorable sayings, including one about a pig. Never wrestle with a pig. The pig will like it, and you'll get dirty. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. So, Bill, he had, he wrap had, it up he, with Kevin. Tell us about, about the book, you know, where, where you can get it, and uh, where we can get it, and uh, we've got to have you yeah, back in a month or two. You could go online, and if you just um, if you just Google in and put up there tacklinglifebook.com, it'll take you right to the site. The book's $20. Shipping is free. Um, I think the people that I've gotten to read it, including you guys, have told me it's a quick read. It's an easy read. matter of fact, I've had some people that have picked it up and couldn't put it down, and we just put uh, the first three chapters in Delaware online uh, to tease it a little bit. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And uh, I'm hoping that it spurs on some of my speaking engagements. You know, you always seem to be a little more valuable once you have a book. But the most Mm -hmm. important thing is I want to reach out and help people. I'll let them know that, you know, you can accomplish things if you put your mind to it. I'm just a regular guy from Blue Rock Manor over here in Wilmington, Delaware, middle class. And I lived the dream. It was taken away from me. And, you know, I came back and and I'm living it again. So it can be done. Well, Kevin, you know how I feel about the book. And uh, you're a good man, my friend. And we're we're certainly glad to have you here. The book is fantastic. And uh, good luck with it. Come back and see us soon. Well, you let me know and I'll be back in a heartbeat. Yeah, we'll sell a few more books for you before the holiday. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) All right, Kevin. All right, thanks, Kevin. It's time for You Know Who. You Know Who. It's Fantasy Football Guru, Fred. Hugo, welcome back to the show, Fred. What's going on? I just got done wrestling with a pig. (laughs) <laughs> did the pig like hey, it the, the pig liked hey, it before we, before we talk about wrestling with the pig let's and talking fantasy football what in the world were you doing riding a zamboni at the flyers game last night oh man i was fired up man that, that was awesome it was a ran, total random thing i was in a club suite and um they came up to us and they're like do you want to ride the zamboni and i'm like I'm pretty sure that's for like 12 year olds, but I'm in 100, percent and I'm gonna make it like I when I was 12. So it was I saw awesome. the video, was one of the best experiences. So cool thing was, I had uh, my cousins were at the game, and I didn't even know. And until um, like a couple minutes before I went on, I texted them real quick. They're in the crowd cheering. I can literally see them and communicate. It. It's, so when they're on the ice, they can see us yelling at them and stuff. There's no question; they know what's going on. Hmm. Well, uh, that was awesome. Did, so did you? So yeah. See, I was thinking that you uh, you won a contest or something like that. It was just some random deal, huh? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my buddy has season tickets to the Sixers club box, and so they 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 gave him a, a Flyers game, probably trying to sell him on that. But there were more than just him in the in the box. Bernie Perrant was in there, and then they just came up to us. And out of all the club box suites, they they asked us, so it, it worked out. Cool. Wow. Very cool. All right, hey, let's get on with it. Let's talk fantasy football real quick. Who's in, who's out as fast as we can. All right, we're going to start Matty Ice. He's been pretty average all year, about one interception. He's facing the Patriots uh, defense that gives up like 29 points a game to the quarterback. I would start Matty Ice. 
as far as the quarterback sitting, I would sit Phillip Rivers. Um, minus his week three game against the Chiefs, he's been pretty well, averaging around 22 points a game. Denver coming off that loss to the Giants, I think they're going to play great defense, and, and I would sit Rivers. Um, at running back, I'm going to start Leonard Fournette. That injury looked looked really bad on, on, visually as you looked at it, but they said he would have been cleared to come back in that game. The Colts defense stru- struggles against fantasy running backs. Um, I would definitely start Leonard Fournette. He, he's going to probably blow up and have a great day. Uh, sitting at the running back position, Chicago Bear running back Jordan Howard. He carried the ball last week 36 times. He had like 167 yards. And um, I think this week they're going to bring them carries back down no more like 18 carries or so. I would sit him. I don't expect him to have the week that he's facing a Panthers defense that does pretty well against the run as well. At the receiver position, I'm going to start Demarius Thomas against the Los Angeles Chargers. Emmanuel Sanders went down, and you could see that the workload went to him. He had he was kind of injured, even on an injured leg. He had 10 catches for 33 yards. The Chargers secondary gives up an average of 35 points to the wide receivers. So I would start uh, Demarius Thomas. And at the receiver position, as far as sitting, I would sit Terrell Pryor against the Eagles. He looks like he has a great matchup statistically because the Eagles give a lot of points up to receivers. Um, he had his most targets of the year week one against the Eagles and, and probably one of his better games, even though he dropped a touchdown pass. Um, I say sit him. The Eagles defense is improving, especially the secondary, and his targets seem to go further and further away, his connection with Cousins. I, I hope I don't jinx the Eagles there, but sit Terrell Pryor. Uh, at the tight end position, I'm going to start Zach Ertz. He is – He's, in my opinion, the best fantasy tight end. Now, he may not have that 27, 30-point game like a Gronk or even a Kelsey, but he's the most consistent this year. I would start him against a Redskins defense that gives up an average of six catches and about 85, 84 yards to the tight end. He only had two catches last week, so I, I expect a lot more from Ertz this week. I would sit at the tight end position, uh, Jason Witten. He's been pretty much hit or miss all year. He had a solid week for PPR last week. The 49ers, if they do one thing right, they stop the tight end. He, they rank one in fantasy as far as stopping tight ends, allowing seven points or less per tight end. So I would, at five of the six games anyway, I would sit Jason Witten. I would come back and start the Jaguars' defense after a bad week against the Rams. I expect them to rebound against the Colts and uh, Jacoby Brissett. Defenses to sit. I would then go ahead and sit the Rams, the Cardinals, the Rams. The first off, they're coming off a two touchdown week against the Jags, but um, or, or scoring two touchdowns against the Jags. But the uh, it looks like the Cardinals have. It looks like Adrian Peterson may be back and have a running game. If they have a running game, that changes everything for the Cardinals' offense. So I wouldn't even chance it. I would sit the Rams' defense this week, and then at the kicker position. Start Mason Crosby against the Saints. It should be a high-scoring game. They could probably have red zone trouble with, with Hunley, at quarterback, so he'll probably get opportunities. And then sitting kicker, I would sit Graham, Graham Gano of uh, the Carolina Panthers. I, I just got a gut feeling he's going to miss a field goal at Soldier Field. So that's my start one, sit one for uh, this week. Hope I was quick enough. I know you guys are running short on time. Yeah, we got about two minutes go. to do the picks now. All right, so oh, let's too get long. that going. We won't, I won't even nope. brag that uh, I picked 28-24 Eagles and it ended up 28-23. We'll let that go. Hey, Cowboys yeah, yeah, yeah. are at the 49ers, only minus six, which could change. Well, I guess it looks like Elliott is back in. 
So let's start with that one. What do you have, Fred? I'm taking the Cowboys. I just the, the, the 49ers are close most games, but Ezekiel Elliott's in. They, I, I just Cowboys take that. Yep, Cowboys hang on for the W, but like Fred said, San Fran will keep it close. They'll probably cover. They're usually uh, right in the game, but Cowboys win. Yep, Cowboys have to win that with or without Elliott, I would think. Seahawks come to the Giants. Seattle is five and a half, minus five and a half with the Giants coming off that big win at Denver. I don't know how the heck the Giants won last week. They're going to lose this week. If they do one of these things where they go 0-5 and then win five in a row, I'll be shocked. I'm taking the uh, Seahawks. Giants are not that good. They're not going to shock the world two weeks in a row. Seahawks win this one. Absolutely. Seahawks are going to win this one. I can't pick the Giants for anything right yet. Okay. Last, we have the Redskins coming to the link for a Monday night game against the Eagles. Eagles are only four and a half, minus four and a half in this game. Uh, That surprised me a little bit. That's a little low. Fred, what do you say? Yeah, it opened up at six and fell to four and a half, which – that, that's a bad sign Vegas-wise. But that just means the Redskins are going to cover. That doesn't mean they're going to win. I'm going to take the Eagles with the link rocking Monday night, 24-20. to 20. Eagles are on a roll. I apologize for picking against them last week. I was wrong, but I was in a U.K. mindset. Birds are home Monday night atmosphere. Redskins rookie defensive end Jonathan Allen is out. That hurts them. Eagles win this one 31-20. Well, and I'm going to go Eagles, too. And uh, I've, always, I've been picking all these games to be really close, and most of them have been for the most part. I'm going 31-17 Eagles in this one. I, I like them uh, a little bit bigger this week. All right. All right. So we all three have the same picks. That's no fun. But we'll, we'll catch up on all the standings of that next week. But, hey, Fred, before you go, what's your prediction on the Sixers' wins for the season? We've got D in at what, uh, Chet? 39. Uh 39, right? Yes. I'm going at 41. I think 41, they'll be, they'll be right right at that 41 mark. Eighth seed in the playoffs. Play, right. Yep, eighth seed. Eighth seed. All right. Eighth all right. Seed. All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Sorry we have to rush this a little bit, but uh, we'll get caught back up next week. All right. See you next week. Have a good one. Thanks, all Fred. right. Hey, Ted. Uh, speaking of predictions, uh, we got these. Now we have Fred. Now it's time for you and I to go on the record. What you say? Well, I just wrote an article for our website that I will uh, put out there in about 10 minutes with my prediction for the year. In a nutshell, Ben Simmons won't win any shooting contest, but will be a very nice set-the-table guy. Markel Fultz will struggle early on, but get better as the season goes along. J.J. Redick, Dario Saric, and the underrated Robert Covington will all be solid contributors. T.J. McConnell will get more playing time than some people might have expected. And the big key, Joel Embiid will play 50 to 55 games and be pretty much great much of the time that he is out there. The Sixers will take some lumps October through December. As Dee said, the schedule's tough. There's a lot of growing pains involved, but they'll be a real force come the new year. And I see them finishing up at 43 and 39, and that is uh, going to be good for a number six seed in a weak Eastern Conference. So 43 <laughs> wins, sixth seed for your 76ers. Mark oh, it down. Oh boy, the the Kool Aid. I did mark it down. The Kool Aid is flowing. Woo! Good luck for you. I'm going to Let's be realistic, it. and I'm and I'm going to say 37. 37, and they are going to be a borderline eight 
playoff team. We'll see. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm from Missouri, my friend. You're gonna have to show me something, not just talk about it. So, so borderline A. So they will be a playoff team, or they will just miss. Well. I'm going to certainly root for them to make it, so I'll say make it, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Okay. It's written down. All right. It is written down. Put it put it there. Hey, Chet, I know you've been busy lining up guests all over the place. we got three major sports now in action. College football season is hitting the second half. And, hey, those Navy Lions are ranked number two in the nation with uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State all coming up. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. So who we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, on this week's show that we're just wrapping up, we had a couple of amazing guests who've been with us a combined 14 times now in D and Kevin. But next week we have a first-timer, maybe two as a matter of fact. You mentioned Penn State, and we've got a sports reporter from WPMT Fox 43 Television in York, Pennsylvania, who covers the Penn State Nittany Lions, among other things. His name is Andrew Callista. And he happens to be from my old hometown in northeastern Pennsylvania, Mahomet City, although I never met him. And he's going to help us preview the huge Penn State-Ohio State game next weekend. I'm working on a second guest, but haven't been able to firm that one up just yet, so stay tuned. But we will have Andrew Callista on, and he's going to tell us everything he knows about the Nittany Lions and what he expects when they travel out to Ohio State. Well, the, the Lions certainly need to take care of business this weekend at the whiteout yes. and uh, game day and everything else going on against Michigan at, at uh, Beaver Stadium. So that would be fun, and uh, I've got to get by that one, and then Andrew will have us all lined up for that trip to the horseshoe. You know it. All right. Hey, Chet, before, uh, before we go to our parting shots, you have a minute to talk about your vacation? Other than missing those two Eagles games live as they happened, as we discussed, it was fantastic. Eight days total, uh, London, England, and a bus trip up to Stonehenge, back to London, a a four-and-a-half-hour train ride to Edinburgh, Scotland, finishing the trip with a short flight to Dublin for the final two days. Many, many great sites, lots of castles, monuments, legendary churches, amazing architecture, real nice people, some real good food, some not-so-great food, black pudding, yuck, haggis, no thanks. And, oh, yeah, dozens (laughs) of amazing pubs pubs in all three cities that I did my best to sample as many of them as I could and to give the UK economy a boost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I got to tell you one other thing well, hey. real quickly. Yeah. We were part of a tour group, 17 people and our tour guide was terrific. I mentioned to him how bummed I was about missing those Eagles games. And he said with his British accent to all of us on the bus, ah, oh, yes, American football. It's sort of like rugby, except that rugby is played by real men. Nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, hey, speaking of real men, hey, before we get to our parting shots, we want to wish our good friend Adam Ujessic well, Chet. Adam had uh, somewhat of a serious surgery today. We wish him well and a speedy recovery. I uh, did uh, just get a text from him right as we were going on the air saying he's doing well, he's in a lot of pain, and he's ready for a nap. So that might have been the pain medication talking, but Adam is on the, on the mend already, and uh, we wish him the best. Get well soon, Adam. All right. Parting shot for you, Mr. Chesko. Yeah, and because we didn't get to talk about the Flyers at all this week, I'm going to take a minute to uh, say how impressed the Orange and Black have been these first six games of the season. A 4-2 and two record, 26 goals in six games. 
balance scoring. The Couturier Giroux Voracek line looking great. Nolan Patrick coming along nicely, including an amazing pass to set up a goal Tuesday night in the win. It's maybe the speediest team the Flyers have had in ages, heck, maybe ever. And even the goaltending has been solid. It's only six games, I know, but there's a lot to like. And, heck, maybe the Wells Fargo Center will have two teams making playoff runs next spring. I already guaranteed the Sixers will be there. Mm, They sure are playing good. And as you mentioned, that young speed is fun to watch. It's uh, something I I never remember seeing ever because it's across the board. You've got a parting shot. I do. As many of you know, Carl's Cards and Collectibles and the Henderson family are running a fundraiser for a friend October 28th at their store in Havertown, PA, to help out our friend Bill Mattis, who recently lost his son. We talked to Carl at length about that last week. This event continues to grow. Bernie Perrant and Lou Nolan from the Flyers have volunteered their time to come to the event. John Capaletti has donated a package of items uh, signed by him to be raffled off. The Hamels Foundation, the Trenton Thunder have given packages. There's also now a Joe DiMaggio certified autograph, a Corey Clement package, a beautiful Penn State Sam Ficken autograph piece, and much more. This is all just things that have been added since we went down the list last week. Just go to Carl's Cards and Collectibles Facebook page and like the event for updates. You can bid on all the items online, which will be followed by a live auction on Saturday, October 28th between 3 and 6 p.m. This uh, There's still another 10 days to, to go on this. It's only going to get bigger and better, and uh, it's for a great cause to help out a good friend, Bill Mattis. And uh, if you get a chance, check it out and stop by Carl's Cards and Collectibles or visit their website and uh, like their page. It's going to be great. I'm hoping to do so uh, a week from Saturday, the 28th, so uh, we'll see. It's going to be a great event, as you said. And, by the way, while we have 30 seconds here before you wrap, uh, how great were D. Lyman and Kevin Riley on the show? I, we love having those, those guys on. That's why they've been on so often, and they were terrific once again. They were, and uh, D. is still all over the Sixers. She knows everything about that. And, you know, Kevin, uh, I don't know that Kevin has done any interviews about the book since it just came out a couple of days ago until this one. And you can tell by his voice he's very humbled by this book. And if you read it, um, you know, there's there's far deeper things uh, than what we got to talk with him about. It, it is a great read. Yeah, I've read several chapters, and it is terrific. I can't wait to read, to read the rest of it. It's good. All right. Well, Chad, hey, we've reached the top of the hour. We're going to get it all in, too. We'd like to thank our special guest, Dee Lynham, Kevin Riley, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House at BobSullivan'sLikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chetsesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 25th at 7 p.m., when Andrew Kalista joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes. Philadelphia sports fans. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go Sixers. One, three, four, five.